0: Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome to the Education on Fire Podcast Network. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. There comes a time in every person's life when you realize it's not about doing what you are told, but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people who are living the life of their dreams, walking through life using their inner wisdom, and being of service to others. Forget exams grades and test scores. What is your purpose? As we let go of what we think should be and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor, and welcome as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Fire podcast today. I'm talking to Jerry Dugan. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for joining me, and let's explore
1: the journey of who you are. All right, Mark. Thanks for having me on, and let's do this.
0: Let's give ourselves a little bit of a, a general background about where you're living and, and and the type of things that you're in, both in terms of your work and and your sort of leisure time.
1: All right. Uh, so. I live in Corpus Christi, Texas, the great state of Texas, and probably the only state in the union <laughs> that can uh, legally secede if it wanted to, but, but we don't. Uh, we're kind of quirky like that. Um, by day, I am part of a human resources training and development department, so I help our different uh, hospital Departments determine if they need training, what kind of training, or it maybe it's just a conversation they need to have. So I run needs analysis, audience analysis, and then look at the resources available to solve issues for those department leaders. Uh, and then on nights and weekends, I am a podcaster with Beyond the Rut Podcast. Been doing that for about three years with my buddy Brandon. And uh, we just have conversations about uh, people who face ruts in their lives, whether it's in their career relationships, finances, fitness, and so on, and we share with them inspiring and encouraging stories from other folks that we've had on the show, and the hope is that we inspire people to learn about themselves, learn some new skills, get some new knowledge, and apply that so that they can take their life out of their lives out of this rut they may feel like they're in. And uh, in all that, I am a husband and a father. I've got a beautiful wife of 17 years and counting and i've got two children one is about to leave the nest and go off to college in august uh, that's jacob and uh, my daughter is my minimi she's a sophomore in high school uh, she loves to dance and uh, she is about as quirky as i am but cooler yeah, fantastic and
0: and it's interesting the um the going away to college thing how, how is that for you in terms of um in terms of that empty nest kind of syndrome and and just that kind of excitement for them, but at the same time, a little bit of kind of apprehension, I guess. How how are you finding it?
1: Oh, man. Uh, For me, it's because I had gone to college when I was my son's age, and it was all new for us as a family. And so to see my son uh, gearing up, watching him as he applied for college, took his SAT uh, exams and going through the financial aid request process, Very exciting to see it from the outside, like, okay, that's my boy. He's doing this, and he's doing it on his own, and, oh, he's about to make a mistake. Do I jump in and help him, or do I let him learn the hard way? And um, and It's kind of a blend of both, Uh, but he's excited, and that's the really cool thing. Um, Prior to about six months ago, going off to a four-year institution was really not on his radar. He was really thinking about, I'm going to take some basic courses at the local community college, find out what I want to do. Uh, yet we helped him hone in just in recent months, maybe in the last year or so, uh, what he was really passionate about. And I think that's when things really changed for him. Well, that's really interesting to hear because
0: that's that's what this podcast is all about. It's about finding your passion. It's about understanding how it fits in with everything else in your life. And, and I'm really interested to see what sort of value you can you can give our listeners in terms of, of your podcast because I know a lot of people, especially when they're in the education system, it's really hard not to feel like you're just going through the motions sometime, especially if you haven't quite found your passion or you're not quite sure how you're going to develop. So I'm really interested to see what sort of insights you're going to get from that because I know you've had over 100 interviews, haven't you? So you're, you're going to have lots of different stories and lots of different ideas from lots of different people, which is what I love about this because you get a, an ongoing theme often in terms of the sorts of things that lots of people go through, even if their actual circumstances are different.
1: Exactly. Uh, so, our show, Beyond the Rudd, is about it's, it's targeted towards men specifically. This is the funny thing. So, we're targeting men specifically in their mid 30s, late 30s, even their 40s who are married with children. They have what looks like a great corporate career. They've got the, the office they've always wanted, they've got the six figure income. Uh, Yet, when you dig deeper into their lives, or they share with you a part of their lives, uh, what's really missing is they feel like they're dead inside. I mean, they're missing life, (laughs) and um, so their day is really like an hour commute to an office, to a job they dread, to work they don't enjoy, and they come home, and they're just completely spent. They have no energy to pour into the relationships that matter most for them, which is their families, and So they're just kind of going through the motions and then before they know it, it's the weekend and they're busy with activities and they're just overwhelmed. And so our show really helps people take an examine of themselves and find out what is it that I'm missing in life? What is my passion? What would make me feel alive without leaving my family? Because that to us seems like a a loss. Like – you could ditch your family and go pursue what you think will make you feel younger. But in the end, you're going to feel just as hollow, just as old, and then ditch that group of people for another group. And I didn't want that for my son. And I remember stepping back at some point as we were doing these interviews for Beyond the Rut and thinking, what can I teach my son now that I didn't know back when I was his age that would completely change the trajectory of his life? And and combining that with you know, today's climate, you know, the millennial generation, generation Z, these are generations that have been told since they were little children, you could be whatever you want to be in the world. Yet we're not going to show you how to navigate the world, the economy. How do you make a career out of the thing you love to do? We're not going to teach you any of that. What we're going to do instead is tell you, you need to go to school. You need to get great grades. And that's how you're going to get a great job. Well, what's the great job? It's going to be a high paying job in an office. So we tell them, all the things that make us feel like we're stuck and trapped in like a a career prison. Yet we're also conflicting them with this information about, you know, you can be whatever you want and do this and do that. And so I had that revelation a couple of years back and I think it, it had to do with when my son was playing baseball for his high school at the time. And I could tell he wasn't passionate about playing baseball and I had no idea this was going to lead into like this big epiphany for him. Uh, I just, thought my son needed to have a hobby other than baseball you know he was only playing baseball because he thought his parents wanted him to and that his grandmother wanted him to play and that was so far from the truth and I had a conversation with him about you gotta identify what you're passionate about and do that for fun and and just enjoy it um, and learn everything you can about it and he asked me how do I know what I'm passionate about and I, I just said it's that thing that one seems to come to you naturally Two, you want to pour all your extra time and energy into learning more about it, and three, it's that thing you talk other people's ear off about. And I was hoping he would share something with me because up to this point, you know, he was a teenager, so he didn't really tell me a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> so you can relate. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> and, and so I'm thinking maybe he'll like have this epiphany or this aha. Uh, no, so that that conversation had come and gone. He had uh, basically left the baseball team for high school. And we're like, well, he's not just going to go to school and come home. Like he's got to have something that really energizes him. And so my wife and I had agreed. We're just going to keep an eye out. We're going to watch him and and just kind of ask him questions like, hey, we noticed you do this. Like, tell us more about that. And, um, And it wasn't until maybe a few months later, our family decided we're going to join the dark side and be like our son and become iPhone users. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, so we got our new iPhones and we're taking photos and they're just, the photos are coming out horribly. And my son kind of just groans and says, here, let me, let me show you how to do this. And he takes my wife's, uh, new at the time it was an iPhone seven Plus, And he says, you two stand there and, and, you know, shift over a little bit to your left. Okay. Now, now stand up tall and, uh, hold on, rotate, you know, this many degrees this way. And I'm thinking, my son just used the word rotate, you know, this many degrees. Like that phrase, not something my son says. So he takes a bunch of photos and he's moving around. He's kneeling down. He's like holding the camera up and doing all these different angles just to give us one shot. And when we were looking through the photos he had taken, it just blew my mind. Like these, With an iPhone, he was taking these professional quality photos where uh, you had like Uh, depth of field so like the forefront was in focus but the background was out of focus the lighting was really well done it was even even though we were standing out in the sun Uh, the color composition like when he had us move over uh, just what my wife and i were wearing fit better with what was in the background afterwards and i just took a step back and i asked when would you learn to do all this and he just said youtube like, like it was no big deal, YouTube. And my wife's like, yeah, what, why are you asking him this? And I, I said, well, this is like professional, almost professional quality you know, photos. And he just gave us like simple instructions to get there. And he took these shots and he's using like terms that you had to study to know these terms. And uh, because I knew this from working in the video ministry in my church. And, and so we just we realized, wait, he, this might be it. This might be his passion. And so we watched him a little bit more and a little bit more, and then we're like, "Hey, we borrowed this camera from your aunt. Can you take photos of your sister in her ballet costume for the Nutcracker ballet?" And he took a bunch of photos, and they were awesome. And so then we were like, "Okay, this is it. Let's ask him." So we asked him if he liked photography, and he's like, "I I guess." And uh, we asked him, "Well, how did you learn?" And he said, "Well, like I said, YouTube." And we're like, "Well, how much YouTube do you watch?" And He's like, I don't know. <laughs> like man, this kid. <laughs> uh, so we had to ask his girlfriend these questions and she's like, Oh man. Um, when he's not talking to me, he's watching videos about how to take better pictures. And when I talk to him at night and I could tell he's falling asleep on the phone, I'll ask him a question about photography. And I know if I do, he'll talk another two hours about the subject. And then we realized, okay, this is what he's passionate about. And so we, We got him a camera and we linked him up with uh, somebody from our church who takes photographs for our church and does uh, wedding photographs uh, as a side hustle. And this guy has been teaching him, uh, like right now, my son is at church volunteering and taking photos for a lot of our services. And these photos wind up on our website, on our social media. He will skip just about anything out of convenience except serving in church as the photographer. And... Uh, so now he's going off to college with uh, a major in photography and, uh, you know, we've had conversations about how do you make a career out of this? Because we know people who've gone into the arts and they struggle and they're frustrated because they had to settle for what they figured was an accounting job or a science job. and Like they don't get to do their passion and make a living out of it. So uh, as he's pursuing photography, we're also exploring how do you make a living out of that. So you can always do your passion in the ups and downs, support yourself, support your family and build wealth for your retirement and so on. And, um, break a lot of those myths about the starving artist. And so that's, it's just really neat to see him get excited about that and and really embrace it and learn as much as he can. And now his grades at school of like shot up even more he made a permanent honor roll for his school and we're like this kid the one that we thought would probably not (laughs) go this route he is and all all it took was being patient and allowing him to i well helping him identify uh what he was really passionate about
0: i think that's fantastic and 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 all kudos for you in in terms of having that um, understanding and ability to stand back to sort of see the overarching kind of idea if we're going to watch we're going to see we're going to take notice ask questions in a way which actually sort of just opens a door because i think that could be a really difficult thing to do as a parent and um and also then to be able to just like you say you you think when you talk about i'm going to find my passion i'm going to be literally blazing at it i'm from the the year dot when I know what it is but to actually sort of work your way in and find what that is I I think that's an incredible little journey there and um and yeah it's a a great story for us to hear thank
1: you it it took humility on I would definitely say my part (laughs) uh because my undergrad degree my bachelor's degree is in chemistry biology and I, I would catch myself thinking you know my kids need to be good at math they need to be great at science they need to consider becoming engineers because that is where the money is and the job security. But then, you know, listening to my own show, I realized I I can't do that. That that goes against everything I've been talking about. And two, I I know that if we're gonna learn anything, whether it's as teenagers or as adults, it has to be relevant to us. It's gotta be something we enjoy. It's something we see application for. Otherwise it's just somebody telling me I gotta learn about Homer and Yeah, and I'm not talking about the Simpsons cartoon either (laughs) yeah for
0: sure Uh, there there are a couple of things that really um strike and and resonate with me one is the fact that I'm a I'm a professional musician so I know all about the starving artist idea and and that you know the, the the peaks and troughs of earning money in various different guises um even when it's within your passion and within your field um and and also the fact that my daughter it's interesting that the iphone thing because she loves taking photos and she Mm -hmm. she does some amazing things with them as well i just do this i just do that um and and she's only 11 at the moment so she's just literally just playing around and and enjoying it um but it is that sense of because she asked me a long time ago um we were on our way back from a a tumbling class and she said well how how would i have it as a job what will i do as a career you know kind of thing and and I said, well, you can do this, you can, you know, some people will go to college, the people will do weddings and, and all that kind of thing. I said, but the thing is, you're only 11, you know, it doesn't actually matter. Just enjoy it. Share it with your friends. Yeah. You know, people will ask you, like you were saying, you know, your, your son finding out on YouTube, they'll ask you how to do it. You know, you can give value back just by sharing it in a different way in this modern age of YouTube and video and social media and all of that, where you're just sharing knowledge, where people will just want a quick answer to something, within that there's all opportunities both in terms of having your passion sharing knowledge and within that comes the opportunity to earn money as well as well as the traditional route as well and uh, it's, I think it's a very exciting time for, for kids and I think the environment that you set up to see that anything is possible that just allows that opportunity to come to you I think as much as you actually create an opportunity for them
1: yeah oh yeah I'm trying to think of what I wanted to say next. <laughs> uh, what keeps coming to me though is a memory. This is just from um, this school year alone. In the fall, uh, our daughter is on the high school dance team and drill team, and uh, this is when my son really has embraced the uh, you know, the idea that he is a photographer, um, and during the the high school football season, very different than, you know, football around the world, which is what we call soccer, but American football, uh, during that season, he volunteers to be one of the photographers for the yearbook. Uh, And so they have students on the field taking photos for the yearbook. And I I noticed that I think there was like four of them uh, all together. So there were three students, they kind of wore a camera around their neck, and they just The three of them hung out together, and they just chit-chatted the whole time, take one photo, walk around a little bit more, take another photo. And then when I saw my son out there, very different um, behavior compared to the other three high school students. And, And that was... Uh, I think the funny thing uh, he had a baseball cap on and he was wearing it backwards And I was like oh my boy I've seen professional photographers do that when they're doing <laughs> sports photos and he's like getting into the mood and turning his hat backwards <laughs> Like, Okay, now he looks the part, but let's see what he does and um, Unlike the three friends who were chit-chatting he is like right up on the sideline and he's taking photo after photo after photo He's leaning down the line where the other players are standing on the sideline. He's taking uh, candid shots of them and at some point this is what really blew my mind was other people in the field recognized what he was doing so there was uh, I believe a photographer for the boosters club and then a photographer from the from the local newspaper both of them walked up to him and and i'm watching this from the stand so my first thought was oh boy they're telling him he's in the way or they're going to be like all professional and high and mighty and tell him to stand here or stand there. And sure enough, they were. They were telling him to stand here, stand there. And so I thought, oh, no, they're, they're screwing him up because they're jealous or something. And then as I continued to watch, I saw one of them point off in the distance and Jacob walks away towards that direction. I thought, what did they do? And, you know, I lose sight of Jacob for a bit. And then when I see him again, he is opening or he's, um, what do you call it, telescoping out a monopod and I was really mind-blown at that point. Uh, So what had happened was one of those photographers had said, you know what, because they had looked at his pictures on his camera, and and then that's when they pointed, and basically they said, hey, you could take better photos if you have a monopod. Uh, Go over there. I've got a spare. You could borrow it for the game uh, and go grab it and and come back here and we'll show you how to use it and show you some tips and tricks. So they basically, these two professionals took our son under their wing and now they're following each other up and down the sidelines and, and taking similar photos and they're sharing their craft with him. And and I just thought, wow, that, you can't buy that in a university or in a high school or anything like that. Uh, that all came from identifying his passion and putting him in places where he would um, be mentored by other photographers who were just a few years or many years ahead of him and – you know, Just get out there, do the work, and when you get noticed and people start giving you tips and tricks, pay attention to that. And I don't know where he picked that up, um, but he did, and seeing him embrace that and do that just blows my mind. And all we can do is say, you know, yes. Whenever he asks us, Hey, can I go do this photo shoot with, uh, you know, my mentor, Michael? And we're like, yes. How are you getting there? Cause you don't want to get your driver's license. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> uh, sometimes that means we got to drop what we're doing and take him to a photo shoot and then pick him up when he's done. Um, and then I would give him a hard time about getting his license. And then my wife would say, I got to stop doing that. And, um, and then kinda of throw my own words at me about passion. He just isn't passionate about driving. I'm like, that's a life skill, he needs that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just really exciting to see that grow in him.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's fantastic. And I think all, all of us listening who can just think oh, I can really relate to that. There's something which I do or there's especially when there's someone that sees the passion inside of yours or really sees something in you which they want to support. Um and like I say, that's not about anything other than them just identifying with, like a kind spirit, really, isn't it? It's that kind of you're obviously loving the the interest that you're in, and we do it, and we can help you. And the fact that you'll have a proper conversation and a dialogue about it means that they get as much out of it as you do. And I just think it's um, I think if if you can understand that and you can feel that, then you know you're on a winning path. And I think that's incredible value for and advice for people that are listening. So thank you very much for that.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. And it gets me thinking about, you know, the U.S. education system on a broader scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know if this is, I'm pretty sure this isn't the same across the rest of the world, um, because we have a lot to learn from other school systems outside of the United States. But there seems to be this big push that the only education worth providing is STEM education, so science, technology, uh, math skills, that kind of thing. And I don't think that's the best way to go. Um, It doesn't tap into the passion for everybody. Uh, Not everybody is is excited about math and excited about science. And there are those who are though. There are those very analytical types. They love staring at a flower and wondering why is that thing yellow and not say purple, or you know why does it not have razor sharp thorns? (laughs) You know, there are people who love that. And you know, some people look at that same flower and say, I wonder if that thing will cure cancer. And so, yeah, we we should support that and have, you know, a school system that that drives that. But I think and again, I don't know if this happens in other uh, first world countries, but I know when a school district in the United States is struggling financially, the first thing to go are the arts. So, you know, we're going to cut back on the music program. Uh, We're going to cut back on the art and the sculpting programs and so on. And when I think back to, you know, what my high school education uh, did for me, and I think the the classes I found the most value in were actually band. And, you know, but when you look at the work I do today, I don't perform professionally. Yet I don't think that band was a waste of time uh, because it taught me things like rhythm, uh, noticing patterns because if you're going to memorize a piece of music or many pieces of music, you have to learn to chunk material into bite-sized pieces that'll make it easier for you to remember and remember in sequence. Well, that's what my job is now. I, I help people take complex ideas, chunk them into smaller bites, and deliver that instruction in such a way that the learner picks up on it gradually and it's scaffolded or sequenced in a way that they get it and they know how the the new piece of information fits in with the old piece of information. Well, I really learned that from middle school and high school band and playing all through college, the tuba. So I was really into heavy metal music back then. (laughs) (laughs) Had to get a band joke in there, right? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then on top of that, you know, playing in a band teaches you things like uh, you got to be aware of your surroundings. So I could look at my sheet of music, kind of get a sense of what the tempo is, and then just play all my notes yet if my horn is out of tune it sounds horrible it makes everybody else sound horrible so if you've got a 70 person band one instrument is enough to make the whole thing sound bad uh, if I'm off tempo just by half a beat it'll throw the people off it'll sound like a big muddle of noise um, if I'm too loud or too soft the chord doesn't hit the heart of the listener and so music Actually allowed me to have self-awareness and understand how to work as uh, a teammate better than if I just did solos on tuba all day long every day. And um, I think if there's somebody out there listening who runs a school district, you know, please, you know, fight for your arts programs and and see that there is value in learning these things beyond just well you'll never make a living painting pictures or, you know. Uh, How somebody ever saved a life by sculpting and it's like well, you know, we created these things called um, cisterns and vases and clay pots, and I think that did a lot to change <laughs> yeah. the course of human history. So uh, I wouldn't discount sculpting as being a useless art form. Uh, you know, ceramics is important. Um, you know, art you know ties into marketing and business, and I you mean, know, there's just all these connections that can be made if we just let people you know have that artistic outlet, uh, but then also allow those who are more analytical that outlet as well, um, and you really help our students hone in on what their strengths are as yeah. opposed to everybody must learn the same stuff all the time yeah I think that's absolutely true and I, and I think
0: certainly i um, in the western world that um, that whole sense of needing to be able to test things so that you can get a score and that you can compare and all of that sort of stuff you know what you've just described is the is the is the breadth that we need both in terms of The fact that, like you say, it may well be, as in my case, music was the thing that not only became my my career, but was my passion. And without that um, introduction at my school, I may or may not have ever got the opportunity to do that. So I'm really appreciative of that. But what I loved about the fact, as you were saying, what was valuable about your school experience was the fact that it wasn't something which directly affected you in terms of the job you got or um, a grade that you got or anything like that but yet it's something which has actually inherently made you the person that you are in so many different ways and and like I say without having that experience within a school and for people listening you know just I always think about this you know look around at what your school experience actually is you know what is it about the whole not just about an individual subject which you may or may not like or things that you find easy or difficult but just what's the whole thing about it which really 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 helps you and um and it sort of brings us on really nicely in terms of from your school you know which teachers do you remember and, and what was it about them that, that really stuck out for you
1: oh man um so many really good ones. Uh, <laughs> but if I were just to back up as far back as high school and not go any further than that, uh, there are two who stand out. Uh, one is my uh, my 11th and 12th grade math slash physics teacher, Mr. Jones, Mr. Gordon Jones. Um, he got to know his students as people first, and then even though he was teaching us, you know, trigonometry or um, physics. He was teaching much more than just that. Uh, The the big thing for him was I want you to succeed in life. You know, not all of you are going to become physicists. You're not going to design satellite dishes like I did and, you know, create an early retirement for yourself and only teach because you would love to and you were bored out of your mind and you want to help, you know, lower income cities, you know, thrive. So I'm also going to include some extra credit. So my course is hard, but if you want to pass it, this is what we're going to do. And he provided a platform for these students who normally don't get outside of their town and see a bigger world. He had two assignments for us throughout the year. One of them – well, it was the same assignment for both semesters. But it was to visit a university campus and provide a a short little two-page summary of what we learned about that campus. So it wasn't enough – like we didn't have the internet in 1994, 93. So we had to go to the library, research some universities. And to make it easy for us, he took us to UC Berkeley, which is where he graduated from. And, you know, he had a couple of points of interest, scavenger hunt type stuff. But we had to come back with something on our own that interested us. So if you were interested in music, you had to bring some information back about the School of Music. If you were interested in business, you had to bring something back from them. Uh, Sports, whatever it was, but there was some like self-discovery there. And he did that twice a semester. So there was the UC Berkeley trip, and then we would kind of vote on the other university we'd go on. And uh, he kind of had to do this this under the radar, though. So the district didn't approve of him, you know, getting buses and taking students out to these college campuses. So he would just kind of talk like, hey, you know, I'm going to be at UC Berkeley on Saturday at 10 o'clock. And to get there, I'm going to actually start from this high school at like 8 (laughs) a.m., And so uh, if anybody happens to show up at 8 a.m. and they want to follow my car up there, that's your business. And if you want to bug me when we get to when I get to UC Berkeley and you ask me for like a map of the school and ask for an assignment and stuff, I'll have some on hand just in case. But uh, this is not mandatory. And, And sure enough, 25 students would hop in their cars and caravan behind our physics teacher to this university and get to know the college campus and. We we're on our own. Like there was you know, no need for permission slips. Like he found a loophole. Like this guy had read um, all the rules for the school district. And, it, and they may have put rules in place now to counter that, but he found a way to expose us to a greater world, a bigger world. And at the, I remember the first day of school, he would tell us, I only have three outstanding rules. And I think it was three. Um, the first one was to be kind to, to each other that no matter what, treat each other with dignity and respect. Uh, The second one was don't ever discount yourself. You are capable of doing whatever it is you want to go out and try to do. And the third one was never stop learning. Uh, The the moment you stop learning, you pretty much are dead. And you're not growing anymore. So if you want to succeed in life, learn new things. Take something you're already great at and learn something new about that to make you even better. Uh, if you're curious about a topic, go learn about it. If you um, want to learn something even deeper on a deeper level, go try it and learn from your mistakes. And so it was just that simple. Uh, you know, be kind to others. Don't discount yourself and always learn something new. And I've applied that to my life ever since the day he said it. I love it. I love- yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I I just think that just gives you the freedom then, doesn't it? To, to know what the essence are, that how you want your life to be and, and how you're going to go about doing it. And from there, you've just got the option to take it in any direction, you know, whether it's within that particular class or another class, because he's not just teaching you about physics or like you say, or about trigonometry or whatever it happens to be. He's just teaching you about life and how you go about being yourself to learn. And that's such a gift.
1: Oh, yeah. Not many teachers do that. Not a lot of parents do that either. Um, you know, I'd said earlier, a lot of parents just simply tell you, go to school, get good grades and you will one day get a good job. And I think that's because they themselves never were given a roadmap on how do you find the job you really want? How do you find the at least the career field? Because there's, there's an infinite number of possibilities of jobs out there in the world. And if your job doesn't exist, you could be like my vice president where I work during the day and just create your own job. Uh, now, she had to create value and show value and deliver value, but in essence, her job exists because she pitched it to her company. And I'm grateful because that built a department, and I'm a part of that department, and I now have a check every two weeks <laughs> doing work I love because this other lady had pursued her dream and, and created a job that didn't exist in the in the company. Um, so going beyond you know the parent advice of go to school, get your grades, you'll get a great job... It is really, yeah, just taking that time to explore with your child and help them learn with them because you're both going into new territory together. And um, I don't, again, I don't know if this happens in England or the UK. However, I see it a lot here in the United States where we seem to want to, as parents, defer the responsibility of raising our children off to the public school system. So When there's an issue with, say, bullying, we want to blame the school for it. Uh, Rather than say, you know what, I need to have a conversation with my child about, one, not being a bully, and two, resiliency. So if you are being bullied, what are your options? How can you respond? Um, If it continues, where can we go? And then, you know, of course, hold the school responsible to a degree as far as providing a safer environment so children aren't getting beat up or harassed or ridiculed. However, it's not the school's full responsibility to do that. And the same thing, it's not really the school's responsibility to help my child decide on a career that they're going to have 20 years from now. Uh, All they can really do is deliver instruction. And I, as a parent, should be able to have some part in that, partnering with my school to help them understand what their skill sets are, what their strengths are, what their passions are, and then how can that school help support that journey for my child up to a certain point in their lives? Um, because it still comes down to my child having the space to explore and experiment and really determine and, and hone in what it is they love. Yeah. I love that word partnership. I think it's such an it's such an
0: important one. And I think what you've described is the is almost the the, per, the perfect partnership in so many ways, you know. Like you say you're taking responsibility as a parent that trying to make your children take responsibility for what they do or don't decide in whichever that, that area that happens to be and then working with the school or an organisation because like you say these skills are going to come into play whether it's a school whether it's a job environment whether it's a social environment whatever it happens to be they come back time and time again and so understanding all of that and, and that's why I think the the podcasts are so important and the sorts of conversations that we have are so important because as a child, if you're hearing these things, you start to go, yeah, this is what I've been feeling or why I've not been feeling how I wanted to because I knew there's more to it than just I've got to go there and at 9 o'clock I'm going to be doing English and at 10 o'clock I'm going to be doing maths or whatever it happens to be. You can Mm -hmm. see how all that fits in. Those tools, like you say, are incredibly important. But when you can identify a teacher that can really support you to be you, when you can identify with yourself about what you're trying to learn and see it's the gift that it is take what you can don't sweat the small stuff as well and then and away you away you go really and I think that's why yeah why I think these are so important these conversations
1: oh yeah definitely and uh, you got me thinking about further back in time when uh, our kids were younger even uh, so our daughter is very different than her brother and uh, you know, very artistic very well they're both artistic actually but she's more like hands-on arts and crafts type of stuff. And I remember us just letting her watch YouTube on whatever fancied her at the time. (laughs) uh, I mean, with some monitoring, of course. And yeah, I remember there was a time where we just bought a lot of paper so she could fold origami. And when she was done with that phase and she was like, all right, I'm I'm done doing origami. I want to do this rubber band bracelet thing. Um, We actually had to dispose of, I think, 15 bags of origami things she had built. Um, She wanted to do a macrame just so she could have something nice to hang on her wall. So she looked that up on YouTube and turned to my wife and said, hey, I need, I need rope. (laughs) And uh, of course my wife asked why, like, why do you need rope? (laughs) And so she described what she wanted to do. I want to make this. Okay. When do you want it by? Tomorrow morning. And so they jumped in the car and they drove to the craft store and bought enough uh, macrame rope. And in less than 10 hours, my daughter had made her own wall hanging. It's still in her room right now. Uh, yet we, we've indulged her in these things, uh, not because she's spoiled or anything, but because one, we have the means to provide it. And if we don't, we ask her to consider some alternative cheaper uh, materials. Uh, but, there's like a problem solving element in there. I want to make this thing. I need to make it. And there's all that problem solving. Like, how do I tie this knot? How do I move this here? How do I make that fold or that crease or, uh, you know, whatever it is. And then for our son, of course, video games was a big part of his life. And I I know there are a lot of parents out there when they hear video games, they're like, Oh gosh, video games. Great. Yet, Yeah, us being, well, my wife's not nerdy, but I am. (laughs) Uh, I found a way to make video games a learning experience for my son when he was younger. Uh, And it took me taking the time to to ask if I could play alongside him. I didn't care if I was good at the game or not. In fact, he loved it if I sucked at the video game. Um, And then he'd even laugh if I raged quit once or twice, (laughs) (laughs) because Call of Duty is hard. Halo is a hard game to play. It's yeah, you want to spin around in real life, but I mean you got to make the joystick do it, not your physical body and he'd laugh cuz he'd see me like physically turn my body to do stuff in the these shooter games. Uh, but the learn you're probably thinking where's he going with this? Uh, but as he's playing these shooter games and football games and you know racing games and what have you, there's that social element through like Xbox 360 and PS4 and so on. Well, you run into a lot of kids and even adults who don't know how to behave online. Um, so they're cussing out like 11-year-old boys or, or girls. They're, you know, using like rape terminology and so on. And it's enough to make some parents want to say, you know what? That's it. We're shutting the world off and we're going to insulate our children and keep them safe. And we took that as here's an opportunity to talk to our son about, you know, how do you respect people? How do you, you know, defend yourself if somebody's calling you names like this? And, uh, it was really neat to see him kind of navigate through that himself as well. So if somebody started calling him names, cussing him out online, um, you know, I wanted to get on the headset and like cuss back at this man who's yelling at my 10 year old boy and my boy, you know, just pushes like three quick buttons, uh, menu report player send. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then that was that, uh, everything else fell into place. I'm like, what did you do? He goes, well, I mean, he was getting out of line. And so I don't need to yell back at him. That's not going to solve anything, but I can report him and that'll not only stop him from yelling at me. uh, And he's like, watch. And sure enough, I looked at the screen and I saw that player's name drop off the screen because you know, Xbox had clamped down on him and said, Nope, you're gone. Um, And they, I guess they banned him for a couple of days, not my son, but this other guy. And so my, my son had learned that, like, you know, what are the protocols? If, you're getting bullied you know what what can protect you in that system and um, you know how do you not condone that behavior well you report them and let that system take care of it and I was like wow that's much more mature than what I would have done <laughs> absolutely
0: and, and and I think the important thing there is the being involved isn't it and it's the you know take taking part and actually seeing it as a positive and using it as a, as a learning experience like I said which I I think is an incredibly important thing to do yes who did you admire when you were young and what was it about that person that had such an impact?
1: For a big part I would say my dad, not the brightest man in the world um, now my mom really my mom was your stereotype tiger mom she's from Thailand and so for her in her culture you go to school you get good grades and you've got to be the smartest kid in the class and I think having that drive for my mom was helpful because um, my brother didn't have that you know drive for my mom and we, we see a big difference between us academically but the reason why I give a lot of credit to my dad though is his patience so when I was a young kid and my mom said all right he needs to read this book you read it with him my dad wasn't was not the greatest of readers and of course as I got older I saw that uh, when I was you know four or five I'm like this this is great my dad's spending time with me and he's reading the story with me and you know if I didn't know how to read it didn't matter because he he would just make up the story and i, I couldn't check him on that because I couldn't say, well, that's not what that says. Um, and of course when I could do that, he would just have me read and, uh, but very patient. So if I made a mistake academically, you know, he would smile and he'd let me figure it out. Uh, and if I still struggled, he might show me a clue. And it was always about me figuring it out on my own. And he was like that all through high school. He even told me, I believe it was my ninth grade year. I was about 14 years old, 13 years old, somewhere in there. And he had a talk with me. He just said, Hey, I want you to know from, from, well, actually a few years ago, you passed a point of no return for me as far as what I could do for you academically. Um, you're, you're a lot smarter now than I was five years from now. And I just want you to know you have, your whole world ahead of you and whatever it is you decide you want to do. I'm with you hundred percent of the way. Uh, just know that I I can't help you with the math anymore. And (laughs) I don't think, I'm not sure if you noticed or not. I was like, well, I kind of noticed like, uh, you just kind of sit there and smile or, uh, you're in the same room, but you're not like looking over my shoulder. He's like, yeah, I, I didn't understand a thing you were doing for the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's been there. He's been supportive. He's allowed me to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, uh, and he's been there to help me in case I got way in over my head, but never swooping in to prevent me from ever experiencing any mistakes. So he, he just provided that space for me to really explore. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a real gift. And I, and I really encourage
0: anybody, I know it's difficult when you're in the middle of it, and when you're young, you're just in the middle of growing in life and all of that. But I think to have the understanding, just to step back every now and again and just See the people around you that you do admire, and 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 what impact they're having on you. Like you said, whether it's space, whether it's the understanding of their inner belief, if it's someone who's pushing you, if it's someone who's guiding you, and it like I say it might be your, a parent, it might be someone at school, it might be a mentor, it could be anybody. But I think to just suddenly just or oh, to be able to step back enough just to kind of give yourself that kind of hail. There's some people here who've really got my back, and they're really making my life a journey which I'm actually able to thrive at, I think is if you can get that early on and that understanding and that gratitude early on, then it's going to stand you in really great stead. Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: What was the best piece of advice you've ever been given and who gave it to you? Let's see. I've already quoted Mr. Jones. Um, The next one I would go with would be Maestro Gomez. Uh, So while I was in high school, my band director, Miss Ruby, uh, gotta give her a shout out too, because partly her fault I was in this group. <laughs> uh, so she got me into a an honors orchestra. It's one of the, like here in the U.S. We've got select baseball. It's like these tournament teams and so on. Well, this was that kind of orchestra. It was like the best from the local high schools and middle schools together, performing orchestra symphonic uh, pieces. And I remember Maestro Gomez was having us perform a piece. I believe it was Finlandia and it had a very difficult part in it, and everybody was having a hard time. Even the tuba part was hard, and the tuba part, one of the reasons why I chose tuba was that it's easy to play. (laughs) Hard to master. It's like Mozart, but (laughs) very easy to get started, and then you can just hone in from there much easier than you can with other instruments, and everybody's just frustrated, and we're we're like maybe two or three nights before our, our concert, and people are starting to break down and just start kind of yelling at him like, you know, as much as he would allow us to get away with anyway. And they're sharing their frustration with him. Like, why are we playing this piece? You know, we're high school students, we're middle school students. And from what our parents have told us, this is a professional level piece and we're not doing well. We're not thriving. So he took a deep breath and he knew there were parents in the hallway. So he called them into the room as well. And he just looked us all in the eye. I mean, he's looking around the room, connecting with us. And he says, yes, this piece is hard. In fact, this is not abridged in any way. This is not rearranged in any way to be easier for a high school student or a middle school student. If I wanted it easy for you, I would just send you back to your schools. Uh, But you are the cream of the crop from your schools. You are striving to be better than uh, so that you could one day probably do this professionally. So here's my philosophy behind this particular piece. You're performing six other pieces. This is the one I want you to know about. You're here at this level. And he holds his hand out probably about shoulder height. And he said, this is where you are now. And then he holds his other hand out beneath that hand about a good eight inches or so. And he says, this is probably where your peers are in your school. So you're already better then. Now, if I play, a, if we play a piece that's to your level, this is where you are. And he put us at that, that right hand at the same level as the left one. So at the shoulder height then he said now the piece you're playing is at this level and he puts his hand as high as it'll go so good two feet maybe three higher than where the left hand is at shoulder height said you're not going to reach that level where my right hand is yep that's two feet higher than you're not going to reach that you're in high school you're in middle school and so people were like scoffing and you hear some of the kids say see that's what we mean he said, however, if you push yourselves and you go and you go and you go, even if you don't hit this level, which I know you won't, you're going to be at this level at least. And he brought his hand down, but it was still higher than the original starting point for us, a good you know, six or seven inches higher, like eye level. And then that's when it hit me that the whole point why he was pushing us had nothing to do with expecting us to perform at the professional level as high school students, his, his push was, he was going to make us a lot better than we were now by taking it up a notch or two or 10 in this Mm -hmm. case and, uh, giving us room for error. And, uh, it, it was amazing because when he explained that to us, uh, we still made mistakes when we performed it live, but when we went back to our school, music just got a whole lot easier by the time we were done playing this piece. So I, I think, The short way to say that is uh, push yourself outside your limits because when you're done, your limits have just gotten bigger. Your capacity has just gotten larger. What advice would you give your younger self? I'd probably give myself two pieces of advice. Uh, Number one, don't sign up for every credit card that gets offered to you while you're in college. (laughs) and (laughs) uh, With that, don't sign off on every college loan that's offered to you. Uh, If there's any one regret in the future, it's that I'm still paying for the college degree that I don't even use, uh, at least directly anyway. Um, And the second piece of advice would be around the same thing we're doing for our son, which is what is it I was really passionate about? Um, You know, I'd always heard my mom say, you're going to be a doctor one day. And, you know, my dad gave me a much broader, you could be whatever you want in the world, son, I'm right there with you. And then there wasn't a whole lot of guidance there, but what did, what does Jerry Dugan really want to do? What is Jerry Dugan gifted at? Where are his strengths, his talents, and so on? And then from that, what are some of the career fields that fit those skill sets that may interest you? And I think if I had had that early on, I, I could have been impacting people's lives in a different way, uh, career-wise. However, at the same time, I'm a firm believer that your past has created who you are today, and I enjoy being who I am today. So, <laughs> I I don't know if I'd go back in time and change that, but at least listening to you know seeking advice and counsel from others sooner, and then when I get that counsel, actually listening to it. I think that makes that makes a lot of sense, and I and I, and I, I, that, I mean that that's
0: essentially what we're doing here, isn't it? The podcast it is it's that yes. kind of we're, we're we're giving people that those insights, that option, and like you say, I I I always love that broader concept of kind of while well, that's true, and we can take you from A to B really quickly, we also know that generally speaking. A to B goes via Z, P, Q, T and everything else, and all of those are incredibly important in terms of who you are and your life journey as well. So yeah, I yes. I, I love the I love that sort of that concept of what we think and what we're doing. And I think I just think offering the advice giving you a platform showing you the general things which are important like we said about the passion and your understanding and the pillars of how you want to do your life that gives you the tools you need and the rest of it you just have to allow to take care of itself so i I I think that's really really impactful what does your future look like oh boy
1: um i know what i have in mind is of course our kids are going to be off they're going to be released into the world and make the world a better place so what I envision is really my wife and I having the financial freedom to explore the world together we we had children early on in our marriage and which is her dream she's always wanted to have kids raise kids and now those kids are about to be up and gone so I want to help my wife explore the world explore, you know see Europe From a different life, Uh, go to Japan. You know, go to go to places that are outside her comfort zone, but alongside with me. And you know, from time to time, having our you know kids, and we're in no rush to have grandkids, but I envision there will be some of those too. (laughs) uh, So I I think that's my future. It's very broad, uh, but yeah, just the the financial freedom to travel, see the world, experience life together just my spouse and I
0: yeah that sounds like an absolute dream and I, I, I wish you all the luck with with exploring that you'll have a wonderful time
1: what podcast
0: book video film song or resource has had the biggest impact on your life and why was that
1: now funny thing is beyond the rut has influenced me a lot and I'm not saying because I listen to myself my own voice and I'm like yeah that was a great idea Jerry go do that <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the people we've interviewed have given me a lot of inspiration myself to be emboldened in what I want to do. And at the same time, it's allowed me to give you know tips and advice to other people. So like my son who's interested in photography and he's pursuing that we interviewed a couple of photographers on beyond the rut. One guy in particular traveled the world for three years, never had to pay for a hotel room. And Never had to pay for a meal. He just he learned how to take his passion and use that to barter for the things he needed for three years straight. And so I was able to share that with my son and uh, open up his perception of the possibilities. Uh, I've been able to talk with people who wanted to launch a business, and we've linked them with people who have been on our show, who have launched businesses and you know share their trials and tribulations with them. and and so I really enjoy that and it's helped me be more of a people connector in a way. Uh, So besides my own show, (laughs) because that that does sound kind of arrogant and uh, conceited, uh, another book that has really helped me is by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That really focused around how if you want to succeed in life, it isn't about me, me, me it's about connecting with other people. So getting to know the other person's name at a very basic level. Finding out what that other person needs, and then how can I help that person meet that need? That has probably been the most valuable advice in my career, in my marriage, raising my children, is realizing that it's not about myself, that if I'm gonna live in community with others and succeed in that community with others, I need to get to know those people and find a way that I could bring bring value to their lives. And then in return, some of them are going to pour back into my life. Not a hundred percent. Um I don't even know what an actual statistic would be on that, but overall, the more I give to the world, the more seems to come back to me and bless me.
0: I think that's true, and it is a fabulous book. I've I've read it a couple of times now, and and every time you sort of you get something different out of it, and it's um it's, it's insightful, it's it's mind-blowing, and, and in its overall premise, it's straightforward. Like you say, it's about giving rather than taking, and it's about community and sharing and, and actually understanding how all these things fit together, and that's a, it's a great resource. And all, all of these things we've been talking about will be on the show notes. So if you go to educationonfire.com, and in the search bar, write Jerry, it will pop up, and, um, and we'll have all of those things there. So you mentioned your podcast before why don't you give us all the details of how people could listen and, and how they can get in contact with you and, and hear some more stuff about you
1: great so the show uh is beyond the rut it is located on the web at BeyondTherut.com. we're also on apple podcasts stitcher iHeartRadio, radio because brandon really wanted to be on iHeartRadio, radio so we got it there <laughs> I don't think he even subscribes to our iHeartRadio. I he just <laughs> really wanted it there. So it's there. And it's on Spotify as well. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. So facebook.com slash beyondtherut. Uh, and there you'll see us post uh, multiple times a week. We do these short one to two minute videos to help inspire you in the morning to get through your day. Uh, we do post those on YouTube as well, but nobody really follows us on YouTube. So that's okay if you don't go there. And we are on Twitter a lot because Brandon and I, we have ADHD. And, you know, nothing keeps us in line and focused better than 140 characters. So <laughs> you, can f- <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Beyond the Rut. My personal Twitter handle is at Jerry Dugan. And I believe Brandon's is at G Brandon C. Uh, but if you follow Beyond the Rut, you'll see the two of us also interacting with Beyond the Rut as if it was like this third personality. Uh, so we are there. So Facebook, Twitter, on the web, and where you can find podcasts
0: that's fantastic um thank you jerry for sharing your wisdom and allowing us to learn from your wonderful experiences thanks for having me on here mark this was a blast thanks for listening to the learning on fire podcast for more information please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.